Welcome to CyberCast, decoding today's cyber issues. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Today's episode is the last in our CyberCast ransomware mini-series. Throughout the series, we've heard from the Defense Department Cyber Crime Center, the Labor Department, the FBI, and the FDA about ransomware trends and strategies for defending against ransomware attacks. Major themes include ransomware as a service and the importance of public-private partnerships and information sharing. The final interview in our ransomware mini-series is with Mona Harrington, who serves as Assistant Director for the National Risk Management Center at CISA. Mona has a unique perspective on the ransomware landscape because the National Risk Management Center is responsible for helping federal agencies and industry combat cyber threats, including ransomware. The National Risk Management Center website hosts many resources and checklists and opportunities for federal agencies, critical infrastructure sectors, and other members of private industry to connect with CISA to learn more about how to combat ransomware, ask questions about things that they may not know much about regarding ransomware, and also report cyber incidents and get assistance. In this episode, Mona will discuss the prevalence of ransomware as a service, triple extortion, and the importance of network segmentation and public-private partnerships for combating ransomware threats. So thank you so much for joining me on CyberCast today, Mona. I'm really excited to talk about cybersecurity and the National Risk Management Center and its role in helping companies and federal agencies strengthen their cyber postures. So I actually want to start with a question about the National Risk Management Center. Can you explain a little bit about what it does, what its role is, and how it's impacting federal cybersecurity? Sure. Thank you, Kate. Really happy to be here with you today. And it's Cyber Awareness Month, so happy Cyber Awareness Month. Uh, Just to start, I'm Mona Harrington. I serve as the Assistant Director for the National Risk Management Center, also known as the NRMC. We're located within the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA for short. For those of you who may not know, CISA is the newest component agency within DHS. It was established in 2018. And its purpose is to understand, manage, and reduce risk uh, to our cyber and physical infrastructure. At CISA, we work to collaborate with our stakeholders across both the industry and government and provide resources, analysis, and tools that help strengthen the nation's collective defense against cyber and physical threats. And the NRMC, more specifically, supports this mission by serving as a planning, analysis, and collaboration center focused on addressing the nation's highest priority critical infrastructure risks. We forecast, we lean forward in our approach, and we do that by providing analytical outputs to assist CISA and the broader critical infrastructure community to prioritize activities and provide data for decision support. Ultimately, Kate, I'd say, We manage risk and perform risk and consequence assessments and a number of other risk outputs that are both quantitative and qualitative in nature. And our work ensures that the nation's critical infrastructure, which is underpinned by a dependent ecosystem, very complex of hardware and software and services and numerous other connected systems are better protected and more resilient. 
Sure. So it sounds like you guys do a lot when it comes to helping organizations manage their risk. And obviously, ransomware is a very big um, risk trend, I guess, (laughs) is one way to put it. What would you say are the top three ransomware trends impacting critical infrastructure and American companies and federal agencies right now? And how do you see these trends evolving over the next year? Sure, Kate. Yep. Ransomware trends are on the rise. Um, A little bit of background on ransomware I just want to start with here. It's malicious software or malware that once inserted into a network is designed to encrypt files, preventing the owner from accessing them or locking the user out of their device or network. Over the past year, we've seen an increase in sophisticated, high-impact ransomware incidents against critical infrastructure. And the ransomware tactics and techniques continue to evolve, which demonstrates ransomware threat actors are growing in technological sophistication and in an increased ransomware threat to not just to a defined entity or area, it's extending well beyond borders and impacting global markets and communities. You know, just some a few examples that come to mind as we're talking about this, we all saw Colonial Pipeline, which impacted our ability as consumers to even get gas in certain parts of the country. Um, Acer, a PC manufacturer, had that Microsoft Exchange vulnerability. JBS Foods, which is a meat company, um, and the NBA, where they stole documents. So a lot of, lot of incidences that have occurred just in thinking through 21 on ransomware. So it's clearly on the rise. And some of the observed behaviors and trends in ransomware include different techniques, phishing, uh, phishing emails, RDP exploitation, and exploitation of software vulnerabilities. That you know that remains one of the top three initial infection vectors for ransomware incidents. Once a ransomware threat actors gained code execution on a device or network, they can deploy ransomware. Um, other trends include cyber criminal services for hire. The market for ransomware has become increasingly professional, and the criminal business model of ransomware is now well established. In addition to their increased use of ransomware, there's now ransomware as a service, RAS, and ransomware threat actors employ independent services to negotiate payments assist victims with making payments and arbitrate payment disputes between themselves and other cyber criminals. Um, It used to be in the past that you had to be a pretty sophisticated hacker to really know how to deploy ransomware successfully. Um, And now with this ransomware as a service, uh, almost anyone can do it. So that's definitely um, a new trend. Extortion is another one um, I'll briefly talk about. After encrypting victim networks, ransomware threat actors increasingly use triple extortion by threatening to do three different things. One, publicly release stolen sensitive information. Two, disrupt the victim's internet access. And or three, inform the victim's partners, shareholders, or suppliers about the incident. There's also double extortion incidents in which a threat actor uses a combination of encryption and data theft to pressure victims to pay ransom demands. You know, this past year, Kate, we've experienced some of these 
and saw firsthand the cascading impacts that it had on our communities and on individuals directly. Um, going back to Colonial Pipeline that I mentioned a moment ago, Colonial Pipeline suffered a ransomware cyber attack that impacted computerized equipment managing the pipeline. The hack was deemed a national security threat as the pipeline moves oil from refineries to industry markets. The shutdown affected consumers and airlines along the entire East Coast for several days. Yeah, I actually wanted to follow up on something that you mentioned about how triple extortion works. You said that uh, malicious cyber actors will publicly release the information and inform the partners, vendors, whoever's associated with the company or I guess federal agency that they've been hacked, basically. Does that prevent federal agencies or at least discourage them and companies from reporting cyber incidents to CISA? Do you see that as like a hurdle to people wanting to talk about it because they see it as something that's bad for business because that's why malicious cyber actors are releasing that information? You know, that's a great question, Kate. One thing that CISA is working on is cyber incident reporting. I don't know that it discourages the reporting, but I think what CISA is really focused on is leaning forward and having that collaboration with the private sector. The public-private partnerships are so critical for our success. And the more information that's reported to us around these incidents, the more we can share and collaborate and lean forward and make a difference and study and analyze those trends so that we can provide good information to help secure these networks. So I think, you know, we're it's an area we're maturing in and those public-private partnerships are key. Sure. So given the heightened activity with ransomware that you were just describing, how does the National Risk Management Center play a role in helping to mitigate some of these threats? Yeah, sure. So ransomware is clearly a complex cross-sector, multilateral and global challenge. And to me, this means it requires collaboration across the sectors and the international community to address it. And CISA understands this challenge and how complex it is. And within the NRMC, we're uniquely positioned to help support our partners in addressing it. We examine risk to infrastructure using a functional approach to uncover previously unseen relationships those dependencies and connections that are so important to understand the impact and cascading impacts throughout the different sectors. We perform this analysis using a framework of 55 critical functions. You can find those on the CISA website. And this approach that I'm talking about really helps the National Risk Management Center and CISA as a whole understand how critical infrastructure assets as well as entities are related to one another and how the systems are interconnected and what those impacts are under a variety of conditions. You know, um, Kate, our examinations focus on how vulnerabilities and disruptions can cascade across that interconnected fabric of the United States in both direct measurable ways and indirect ways. I'll go back to Colonial Pipeline because it's such a great example for a lot of what we're talking about. And so in 21, when we had the Colonial Pipeline cyber attack, our analysis, the NRMC, focused on the consequence and the cascading impacts of what this pipeline not being in service meant, not only to the areas affected, but the nation as a whole, including its supply chain and functions. 
And so when you look at the NRMC and you combine our analytical capabilities with our unparalleled ability to bring together traditional and non-traditional stakeholders through CISA's unique authorities, we're really able to address issues quicker and provide more timely decision support data for our stakeholders to address these challenging problems like ransomware. Ultimately, we, you know, our goal is to give decision makers better information that enables risk reduction to cyber attacks. Gotcha. So IT supply chain risk management has come into sharp relief after SolarWinds, Colonial Pipeline, which you mentioned, and other major attacks. How can organizations more effectively manage IT supply chain risk? And from the National Risk Management Center's perspective, what are some of the major risk factors to watch out for? Great question, Kate. So over the past year, we've witnessed numerous supply chain threats, and in particular, the solar wind supply chain compromise highlighted a significant cybersecurity deficit. However, the U.S. federal government was really quick to realize the gaps in our security following the discovery of the compromise, and we've been advancing our work in this area. President Biden issued an executive order um, on improving America's cybersecurity, and the EO laid out a bold approach for the urgent evolution needed to move our cybersecurity forward, including the need to improve our nation's supply chain. The need to improve our nation's supply chain security was also highlighted in an earlier executive order released by POTUS last year, contemplating additional actions to strengthen the resilience of our nation's supply chains. So when it comes to supply chain security, we know that not all software is created equal. Some software or uses of that software introduce particularly critical dependencies or trust relationships. And we also know that there's no one simple solution to preventing a sophisticated intrusion like solar winds which is why working alongside industry and being really proactive and taking an innovative approach to meet the complexity of the threat is so critical to our operation. Gotcha. So this is also pretty closely related to 5G cybersecurity concerns, um, the concept of IT supply chain risk management. Can you discuss the 5G aspect here? Yeah, sure. So 5G is, you know, with faster connectivity and ultra low latency, greater network capacity, 5G is redefining the operations of critical infrastructure activities from the plant floor to the cloud. It is enabling large scale connections, capabilities and services that pave the way for smart cities, robotic surgery, autonomous vehicles and other emergent technologies. However, these capabilities also make 5G networks an attractive target for ransomware attacks. So criminals and foreign adversaries can exploit these networks for valuable information and intelligence and even global disruption. And that's why 5G has been a primary focus of ours during the last several years, Kate, particularly when it comes to the ICT supply chain as it relates to trusted componentry. So in a properly configured and deployed 5G architecture, it's difficult for ransomware to spread. And we at CISA are focused on collaborating with our stakeholders, federal, state, and local government partners, 
as well as the private sector and our international allies to really promote the sharing of cybersecurity best practices and mitigations within 5G networks. Gotcha. So given the prevalence of cybercrime, such as ransomware, over the last couple of years, how do you help organizations become more aware and reduce their risk, especially as the probability of being hacked has gone up so high that you're basically guaranteed <laughs> to be a victim of a cybercrime at this point? Thanks, Kate. Yeah, it's it's not if, it's when, right? So this is a great time to be talking about this, and I'm really happy to be here with you today. Again, it's Cyber Awareness Month, so it's a great time for organizations to get involved and become more aware of cyber threats. And, you know, really, we want to get the message out there to let organizations know that there are some simple steps they can take to strengthen their networks. You know, we encourage our partners in industry organizations to, to you know, our, our line this year for this month for cybersecurity awareness is see yourself as a part of the solution. That means putting operational collaboration into practice, working together to share information in real time and reducing risk and building resilience from the start to protect America's critical infrastructure and the systems that Americans rely on every day. And cybersecurity obviously poses one of the biggest challenges to our national security today, and everyone has a role to play in increasing our collective cybersecurity baseline. At CISA, we look at cybersecurity as a team sport, so everyone's got to recognize their important role on the team. And, you know, we recognize that all while we want the best defenses, availability of funds can also can, can sometimes be an issue, especially for state and local governments or small and medium-sized businesses constrained by smaller or limited operating budgets or fewer um, IT or cyber staff that are available to um, really think through how to address potential vulnerabilities. And so at CISA, recognizing these challenges in support of our partners, we offer a lot of voluntary program services and products, including cybersecurity risk management and resilience services and tools. Uh, we offer technical assistance to organizations upon request and expanded information sharing capabilities to really improve situational awareness of threats and vulnerabilities, incidents, mitigation, and also recovery actions. And all of these things can be found on the CISA.gov website as services that organizations can tap into to really become both more aware and to reduce the risk. Gotcha. So recently, CISA Director Jen Easterly said that CISA's Shields Up campaign is here to stay due to the intense cyber climate. And you were talking about how cybersecurity is a team sport. So how are you working with organizations to help them maintain a strong and vigilant Shields Up posture without becoming complacent, especially as cybercrime seems to only be continuing to ramp up and organizations may be starting to feel some degree of, I guess, cyber fatigue? Yeah, Kate, that's a really great question. You know, Shields Up has been um, a wonderful campaign to encourage all organizations, regardless of size, to adopt a heightened posture when it comes to cybersecurity and protecting their most critical assets. 
That said, you know, completely recognizing that it's natural for vigilance fatigue to set in. We know firsthand what it takes to be on high alert always. Um, that's why we've been talking about the new normal and shifting left and leaning forward and um, you know, diligently supporting organizations of all sizes in adopting and managing a constant state of shields up defense. So, you know, in addition to the services I mentioned earlier, CIS has established a catalog of free services from government partners, the open source community, and the catalog of free services and all of our Shields Up guidance can be found on CISA.gov. So it's it's a constant state. It's really a new normal, to your point. And we're just going to be regularly releasing important information on that page. Sure. So my last question for you today is what were some of the lessons learned from the Colonial Pipeline ransomware incident? And how is the National Risk Management Center using these insights to help organizations better defend against ransomware attacks? Yeah, sure, Kate. Lessons learned are always important. So some of the things I can mention here that I think are relevant um, we need to continue to emphasize the importance and effective network segmentation between IT and OT systems so that when the next ransomware attack occurs, the system operators can feel confident that the attack will not present a threat to the human environmental or economic security of the company or its customers. Additionally, it showed us that the importance of having objective assessments conducted on a company's system so that outside observers can catch vulnerabilities and recommend mitigations before an incident occurs. Um, it also showed us that a response to a cyber incident should not be focused solely on the restoration of the impacted systems. How we communicate the crisis to the public is critical and ensuring that the public responds to the threat in a measured and logical way is critical to effectively managing the response. When it comes to helping organizations reduce risk to cyber threats like ransomware, we also recognize it is imperative that organizational leadership be engaged in the cybersecurity decisions being made across their organization. Um, also wanna say, you know, we encourage organizations to work towards building an enterprise that can contain an incident, not just prevent it, develop a plan and maintain and perform regular tests of that plan to include restoring from backups and having visibility in your network by leveraging your forensic tools. And also it's important to implement a culture, culture of security from within, it's critical to require that your outside vendors employ strong IT security, you know, ensuring their supply chains are secure. Outside vendors should be just as secure, if not more secure than within the organization. And th that takes communicating often and having mechanisms with your third-party vendors or service providers to verify that, in fact, they are employing the security measures that are required. Organizations are, are as strong as their weakest link. So, so really the biggest thing we can do to reduce risk 
to our vital critical infrastructure and move our nation's cybersecurity forward is to focus on every detail of cybersecurity hygiene within an organization, plans and policies and how to action those plans and testing those plans and really looking down at the very granular level and knowing how you'll address them in, in key risk areas. Yeah, I have one quick follow-up question before wrapping things up. You mentioned network segmentation being really important. Do you see a zero-trust approach to cybersecurity as helping to facilitate the kind of network segmentation that you're talking about to, to limit damage when someone's hacked? Absolutely. You know, there are a number of different network configurations and different um, cyber hygiene uh, network resilience type uh, configurations that you can put to that you can put to try to mitigate risk when it comes to um, emerging threats and vulnerabilities. Zero trust is really important. Um, configuring a network in a way that allows for that robust resilience up front is going to be incredibly helpful in securing your um, security posture in an organization. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I don't have any more questions at this point. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about ransomware trends or Cyber Awareness Month before we finish up? No. Thank you so much for your time. I think we covered a lot of ground. I really appreciate talking to you today. Awesome. I really appreciated talking to you as well. I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to hearing more from CISA in the coming months about how to manage risk and seeing all of the great materials that the National Risk Management Center puts out. Absolutely. Thank you, Kate. If there's one takeaway from the CyberCast ransomware miniseries, it's that cybersecurity is a team sport, and there are numerous resources available from federal cyber leaders to strengthen cyber defenses. To get deep analysis and insider perspectives on what's trending in federal cybersecurity, subscribe to and follow CyberCast, and visit our website at govciomedia.com. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Thank you for listening. CyberCast, along with GovCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com. 